me take a moment before we get into the scriptures. I want to run through a few slides and just show you some of the things that the Lord has allowed me to be a part of uh, in the past few years with SCORE. So a couple of mission trip slides. I think the first one is going to be from the Amazon jungle. Um, so here is uh, a crazy looking guy and then another crazy looking guy. Um, if you can't see the picture of me really well, uh, this is at the end of a week in the Amazon jungle. And day one, day two, day three, they were not receptive at all to the white people. We were one of the few groups that they had ever had into this area of uh, white people. And they were a little standoffish, a little nervous, a little scared. You can imagine that, people coming into your town, into your home, not knowing who they are. But we were there to put in a clean water filtration system. Uh, they drink from the Amazon River. They wash their clothes in it. They put their garbage in it. The Amazon River is everything to them. So many, many, many of them get sick and die from drinking this, this dirty water. And so we partnered with a pastor. That's the local pastor that I've got my arm around there. We partnered with them to put in a clean water system so that they can come to the pastor's house. And just like that John chapter 4, they can have living water. Um, the funny thing is, if you can make out my face there, it's got black markings on it. Uh, at the end of the trip, each different family clan, each tribe, adopted one of us into their family. And it's a, it was a huge honor for them to do that. Um, and so each one of the people in our group got adopted by a different family. I happened to be adopted by the Jaguar tribe or clan. And so they put the temporary tattoos on me of Jaguar whiskers. Well, it is 100 degrees and 100% humidity in the Amazon. So mine got a little sweaty and it ran a little bit. Um, but this was the last day of the trip before we flew home. So you can imagine walking through the Atlanta airport, a whole group of us, you know, just tattoos and stuff all over people looking like, who are these crazy people? Um, an amazing experience. Um, but here's one of the things I want your heart to be focused on today. As I go through some of these slides and talk about what the Lord's allowed me to be a part of, look at the name of these three tribes, people groups in the Amazon, the Matis, the Korubu, and the Kulina Panau. These are three tribes that we know of that have zero believers, zero followers of Jesus Christ. One of the trips I went to the Amazon, we were working in a seminary to help build it and to provide some clean water so that believers from different tribes could come to the seminary, get trained, and go back to their home tribes because there's many that white men can't even get into. It's illegal for us to enter. Um, but to be able to train people up and to send them into these places um, these, if you look up, you know, on Google Maps, you'll see, you could Google these tribes and see where they are in the Amazon region. There's no gospel witness. There is no Bible. There is no church. So we're praying that God would bring his message, the gospel of Jesus Christ to these places. And I'm, I'm privileged that I've been there and been able to share that message. And we're praying that the gospel will take root in that area. Uh, the next slide that you'll see is uh, from Uganda. And so uh, this is up in northern Uganda. Uh, people that are refugees are coming down from Sudan and from South Sudan. Uh, and they're in this area in northern Uganda. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you can pick out my white face in that bottom slide there with a group. Uh, that, that group in the bottom picture is the Oringa people group of northern Uganda. There's 650,000 people in that people group, and only 1.5% of them are evangelical, that they would say, I'm a born-again believer. I believe in Jesus Christ for my salvation. I've trusted in him. So that means that essentially there's less than 10,000 out of 650,000 people there. 
Uh, we went into this one refugee camp, and uh, I, the town that we live in now is Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, and there's Metro Chattanooga has about 250, 260,000 people. This one refugee camp has 280,000 people in it. It's hard to imagine. You roll out into this field. I mean, you've been flying for days and days, right, to get to Uganda. And then you get in this Land Rover and you're driving for hours and hours in the back of one of these Land Rovers over dirt, bumpy roads, and you're just going up and down. And finally, you come upon this field, and as far as the eye can see, it's UNICEF tents, USAID tents. The people have tried to build up mud houses. No electricity, no running water. 280,000 people, and they are 99% Muslim. And so we use the platform of sports. Like Pastor said, sports is a, it's just a platform. Medical missions, construction, these are all just platforms to get the gospel in, right? And so you can see in that top picture, I'm holding a soccer ball uh, that's essentially different colors, and we use that to share the, the truth of Scripture through the soccer. You've seen the wordless Bible. This is essentially a wordless Bible in sports format. And I distinctively remember I'm sitting there in a group, and I'm sharing about this ball and the truth of Jesus. Uh, and the man directly across from me says, I am Muslim. We are all Muslim but I like what you're saying. Please keep sharing about Jesus. Uh, what an amazing time. What an amazing adventure um, that you know, we could get on a plane and then get in a car and drive through these dirt roads and find these people that don't have a chance to hear about Jesus. That you, Lewis Memorial, could send out a young family that grew up in this church, that grew up in East Pea Ridge, that went to Cabell Midland High School, that you could launch us out and then I could end up in a place like this to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with these people. It's amazing. Uh, the next slide is uh, Japan. Uh, this picture was in 2019. I was there. We were prepping for the Olympics. I don't know if you remember, but the Olympics is supposed to be a thing every four years that's supposed to happen. I don't know what happened this year, last year, whatever. Um, but we're there and we're working with local churches uh, if you know anything about Asia, the, the culture there is, is much more, um, they're not outgoing, they're very quiet, they're very reserved. And so doing an outreach, even like I saw the signs here, you guys are doing trunk or treat again. Something like that is, is mind-blowing to them because of the culture there. They're so reserved and so um, quiet. And so we were teaching some of the local churches how to do what we would call like a block party or a carnival. You know, set up some little booths for the kids and have games and give away prizes and and all these things, we're using that as, a, as just a platform to get people on the campus of a local church because it's so rare there in Japan. Uh, and so we're still working with the local churches there um, to help the gospel effort go forward. The Olympics was going to be kind of like a launching point for a plan to go forward. And so now the plan is still rolling, even without the Olympics being what we all know or expect it to be. But read a couple of those stats about Japan. 126 million people. I was in the city of Tokyo, the, the most densely populated city in the world. I think it's right around 40 million people in the city of Tokyo. It, unbelievable, the amount of people. 0.57% evangelical believers. Less than one out of 100 would say, I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. That's only 718,000 believers out of 126 million people. Here's what, here's what should break your heart as a believer, 
as a follower of Jesus Christ, that last stat, they have a negative growth rate every year right now. The power of the gospel is not being unleashed in Japan. Less and less people every year are hearing about Jesus, are coming to faith in Jesus. And so I say to you, church, that's on me and that's on you. That's the point of a missions conference. That's the point of us taking this weekend to focus, to talk about, to think about, to pray about missions, is what am I going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? I pray that through this week, the Lord will talk to each one of us, and that we will listen to that call and say, Lord, it's amazing that we sent Trey, and he's been to Japan, and he worked with some churches, and he helped share the gospel a little bit, but I'm not there full-time. We need to do more. Us as a local church, us as the capital C church, followers of Jesus, we need to do more. And that should break your heart. The next one is the USA uh, area. This is a new place that SCORE has been working. Uh, and this one is, is not huge and big populated. It is small town, rural, out in the middle of nowhere. Um, I think many of you might recognize this place if I told you the name of the person who was leading the cult there for several years. His name was Warren Jeffs. You, you heard that name. He was on the news. He was on Dateline. Thankfully, he is now in prison uh, for many life sentences. But Warren Jeffs was leading a cult, a spinoff of Latter-day Saints called the Fundamentalist Latter-day Saints, FLDS. Um, and he essentially set himself up as God. He was the prophet. He was everything to this community. He would banish the men. He had over 100 wives. At some point, uh, they found out he was marrying not only 18, 19, 20-year-olds, but he began to marry 12 and 13-year-olds. That's when they finally were able to arrest him and put him in jail. Um, but he had over 100 wives, and he's essentially brainwashing this community. Um, we've been out there serving now for about two years, trying to just help bring the gospel into this area. It is unbelievable uh, what happens when you allow generations to be raised. They had no outside influence. He didn't allow internet TV, cell phones, so that he can control what they're thinking and how they operate. Um, and this, the house on the left is now one that's being used for ministry. It's an amazing story, but basically a quick summarization. His 65th wife left that area, went away, found the gospel, found Jesus, and then came back to try to help other people in that area hear about Jesus, hear the truth of Christ. And she went to court and told the judge, if I was one of his wives, I should have a right to some of the property. And the judge said, you know what? You're right. I'm going to award you a 40,000 square foot house that Warren had. I'm going to award you another 30,000 square foot house that Warren had. And I'm going to give you a 3,000 square foot house that Warren had. And so a few months go by, the Lord is working things out. She gets in contact with the ministry and she essentially hands the keys over to the two big houses to a ministry and says, we need to impact this community for Jesus Christ. We need to do something. And so the big house is now a rehab center where women can come in and get counseling and discipleship and hear the gospel. And the medium house, the, the 30,000 square foot house, is where they host mission teams. So when we go out there, we have a place that we stay right on campus. Um, it is amazing. And she's living in the 3,000 square foot house. She's starting a daycare to try to reach families by letting the kids come in and have a safe daycare to reach the moms with the gospel. Um, and they, they called us and they said, would SCORE come? This town has never had Little League Baseball. They've never had T-ball. They've never had soccer. They've never had anything like that for the kids. Could SCORE come in and help us to launch that as an effort 
to get the gospel into these families. And so, uh, you know, small town, um, but we're doing a great work there. Great things are happening. Um, let me share this with you, church. We are praying. This is a bold prayer that we're praying at SCORE. We're praying that someone would, would be called to go serve in this area full-time. Hilldale, Utah. If you look on Google Maps, if you just Google Zion National Park, maybe you've heard of that. This is in the backyard of Zion National Park, southern Utah. But we're praying that the Lord might send out someone into the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We're praying that the Lord would send someone full-time to do sports ministry here with young people, um, to be almost like a, a youth pastor of sorts, but just in the community, to rub shoulders and elbows, to just do normal interaction and to share the gospel with this community. And then the last slide I want to show you this morning is where I grew up. You guys might be familiar with West Virginia, but I want to make sure and bring this home to you because it's not just about the Amazon jungle and Japan and Uganda. It's about right here in our own backyard. So West Virginia, I just Googled this last week, so I would try to have some current stats for you. West Virginia has a population now of 1.8 million people. About 39% would claim to be evangelical believers, right? They would say, I believe in Jesus Christ, John 14, 6. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to the Father but through Jesus. 39% of this state would say that. And then you've got these in the middle that are mainline Protestant, 29%. And essentially what that means is these are probably people that would come to church on Christmas or on Easter. They might use the term Christian because mom or dad was a Christian, um, but they would say, I, I don't fully believe in Jesus. I'm, I wouldn't use the term born again. I wouldn't say that the Bible is inerrant or without error. Uh, and I would just align myself with, with mainline Christianity. So, uh, you know, I, I can't make the call on who's a follower of Jesus or who is not, but I would say many in that crowd are lost. And then you've got uh, 576,000 beyond that that are clearly without Jesus. So uh, essentially in this state, you probably have a million people, a million people in this state that are lost, that are on their way to hell, unless someone shares the good news of Jesus Christ with them. That's what we're talking about today. That's, that's the emphasis of a missions conference. That's how we all get back to the mission is that it's not just the responsibility of a missionary that comes in. It's not just the responsibility of Pastor and Mary. It's every single one of us saying, that burdens me. That breaks my heart when I hear that, when I see that. And I, I pray that God would stir each one of us to do something about it. We're going to jump into the scripture in a second. Let me read this to you. I was watching Pastor uh, last week, the sermon, so that I could get my heart in tune uh, with what God is doing here. And Pastor mentioned... Uh, a missionary. He actually mentioned the wife um, of a missionary that served in China. Do you remember who that was? That's right. He's talking about Hudson Taylor and his wife, Maria. And so um, last week when Pastor shared that, it sparked me. Two of my favorite missionaries, Adoniram Judson that went to Burma and Hudson Taylor that went to China. Love to read about them, love their story. And so when Pastor last week was talking about that, I pulled out uh, the biography of Hudson Taylor, and I turn to this page. Let me read this to you. I, it's a paragraph or two, so stay with me. But this, this is the heartbeat of a missionary hundreds of years ago, and I pray that this would be our heartbeat today. So this is Hudson writing a letter back to his mother, Hudson Taylor. Do not let anything unsettle you, dear mother. Missionary work is indeed the noblest any mortal can engage in. We certainly cannot be insensible to the ties of nature, but should we not rejoice when we have anything we can give up for the Savior? 
Continue to pray for me. Though comfortable as regards to temporal matters and happy and thankful, I feel I need your prayers. Oh, mother, I cannot tell you, I cannot describe how I long to be a missionary, to carry the glad tidings to poor, perishing sinners, to spend and be spent for him who died for me. Think, mother, of 12 million, a number so great that it's impossible to realize, but yes, 12 million souls in China every year passing away without God and without hope into eternity. Oh, let us look with compassion on this multitude. God has been merciful to us. Let us be like him. I must conclude, would you not give up all for Jesus who died for you? Yes, mother, I know you would. God be with you and comfort you. Must I leave as soon as I can, save enough money to go? Listen to this last line. I feel as if I could not live if something is not done for China. You know, when I'm preparing a sermon, I don't speak as often as pastor and I'm laying out the scripture and the things that, that are on my heart. I, I had this and I thought, you know what, at the end of the sermon, I'll read that and I'll draw their hearts in and maybe God will use that. But I thought, you know what, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. I want to make sure as we go into the scripture that my heart is in tune with your heart and that we're aligned with what God is wanting to do here. I pray that each one of us would see slides like that, would hear a story like that, and say, God, would you break my heart for the lost, for the perishing? Would you work in me in such a way, like Hudson Taylor said, I feel like I cannot live if I don't get the gospel to these people in China. And I've told you, there's people in the Amazon jungle, there's people in Uganda, there's people in Japan, there's people in Utah, there's people in West Virginia that are dying without the gospel. So may this time be a time that God would draw us to his heart and align us with him. Let's pray and then we're going to be in the scripture. Father, thank you so much for the time this morning. Thank you for uh, allowing us to be here. Thank you for those that are online and with us today. And Lord, now as we look to your scripture, I pray that your word would speak to us, that your truth would penetrate our heart. Lord, that the Holy Spirit would draw us closer to you and give us the message that you have for each one of us. I pray that you would work in this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Colossians chapter 1 is the heart of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is one who many of us look up to and say that if we were going to try to follow someone who is emulating Christ, the Apostle Paul is a great role model for each one of us. And this is a, a scripture that Paul has written to the church at Colossae. He's never even been there. He is, at this moment, he's in prison in Rome, and he is writing to encourage them. They are followers of Christ, but yet they have let the world come in, and they've added things to their religion. Uh, does that sound familiar in 2021, living in the United States, uh, that we, we believe in Jesus, but we add a few things to make it more comfortable, or we take the things away that make it less comfortable? Um, and Paul is exhorting and encouraging the church here in Colossae. Uh, for this. Um, I really want to get to the end of Colossians chapter 1 is really, I think, the, the picture that Paul sets up for service and for sacrifice, for what is on his heart, I think is a great picture for us. Um, so look at Colossians chapter 1, and let's pick it up at verse 24. It says this, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, 
and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man, and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. What a wonderful picture of Paul saying, I want to pick up the mantle that Jesus laid out, and I want to carry forth the gospel. You're talking about a man who has been so many hardships and trials and tribulations, but yet was still unwavering in the faith of knowing this is what God has called me to do, and nothing can take me away from this task. It's like, have you been reading uh, the Bible plan on the LMBC app the last few weeks? Uh, Pastor, I've been reading it. Uh, I really, I'm trying to get my heart in tune with your heart. I want to be on the same page as what God is doing in this place. And so I've picked up the LMBC app and I've been reading the plan. And the last week or so, we've been in Nehemiah uh, on the reading plan. And do you remember early on when they were beginning the project and Nehemiah knew that he was called to build that wall and then these guys came along, Sam Ballot and Tobiah and some other guy, I don't remember his name, And they are basically saying, you guys are crazy. You are never going to finish this wall. That thing is a joke. Come on, just give up. The dream, the vision that you have is ridiculous. Can I tell you that's the same for us today? God has given you a dream, a vision, something that he's called you to do for him, for the kingdom, to get back to the mission. And you're going to have people that are going to come to you and are going to say, that's crazy. That is ridiculous. There's no way you're going to be able to do that. You can't accomplish that. That's never going to happen. And yet a couple days later, we're in that reading plan, and it says in the Word of God that they completed the wall in 52 days. In 52 days, they finished the work of the wall. I'm standing here today as a kid that grew up and went to public school. I went to Barbersville Middle School. I went to Cabell Midland High School. I went to Marshall University. And and you saw pictures. God has allowed me to travel around the world to take the gospel. I've been to all 50 states. I've been to about 40 countries. Once I get to Antarctica, I'll have been to all seven continents. But I I was right here. I was literally sitting in these pews. I usually sat right over here where Matt is sitting. And God said, you know what? It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what your background is. I can literally use anyone. And if he calls you, it's good if the plan is scary and dangerous and you don't know how it's going to happen because you know what? That's when we rely on him. If it was easy and we could do it ourselves, we would just rely on us. That's not a good place to be. A good place to be is like the Apostle Paul who said, Lord, I'm going to carry forth that plan. In verse 24, when he said, I'm willing to rejoice in the sufferings. It's amazing to look back and think, wow, Paul suffered quite a bit and that he could say he would rejoice in that. If you're taking notes this morning, jot this down. We're not going to turn to it now, but 1 Peter chapter 4, 
verses 12 through 16. Peter talks about the sufferings that he went through and how it's amazing to come alongside Christ and to walk in those sufferings with him. Look at verse 25. I love this verse here in Colossians 1. Paul talking and he says, Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you. Paul says, God gave me a gift, and I'm to be a steward of that gift. We use in our ministry at SCORE, we use the, the verse in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 a lot that says we've all been given a gift, we've all been called to be stewards or managers of that gift. And what I love about the ministry God has me in is that I get to share in churches uh, that we have a platform for anyone. And I love that God has gifted the church with different abilities and different talents. I was sitting here this morning watching Mary play. There was no music up here on the thing. I don't know, Mary, how you do that. First of all, I can't read music, so I wouldn't know what it says anyway. But I cannot play any musical instrument. And so for me, that's not something that I'm going to be able to say, how could the Lord allow me to use music for him? But you know what? He's gifted Mary in that way. And so Mary should say, Lord, how can I use this gift to bring honor to you? I'll tell you what's difficult about the culture that we live in today, 2021, United States. We all have gifts. We all have abilities. We all have talents. But here's what our culture says. How can I use this talent to make me famous? How can I use this gift to make me more money? How can I take that gift and consume it myself? But the Apostle Paul said, I've been given a gift and been called to be a steward for you, for the body, for the kingdom. And so I want to encourage you this morning that you have a gift, you have an ability, you have something that the Lord has given you. How can you use that for others, for the kingdom? That's a great challenge. Let's keep reading there in verse 25. It says, I became a minister according to the stewardship of God from which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. What is that? The mystery which has been hidden from ages and generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What an amazing thought. In the times of the Old Testament, Christ was concealed. He was there, but he was hidden. He was obscure. But now in times of the New Testament, Paul is saying Christ is not concealed. Christ is revealed. Christ is the hope of glory. Christ is the hope of everything we have. You know what? I've been to a lot of places and done great ministry. We've given away food. We've helped orphans. We've done clean water. We've done a lot of great things. Ultimately, those are all going to pass away. If I get on a plane today and fly to Haiti tomorrow where there's always need. If you've been to Haiti or read about it or looked at it, there's always a need in Haiti. If I take every dollar that we give for missions and buy food, in the coming weeks or months, it's going to run out, right? But if we are able to take the hope of glory, Jesus Christ, and give that to them, that's more valuable than anything I could ever bring, materialistically speaking. The hope of glory, the hope of Jesus Christ is what will help the world to see it's not about the here and now. It's about eternity. 
It's not about the present circumstances or situation. It's not about COVID. It's not about the things that are difficult with maybe I have a job or don't have a job. It's not about the temporal things. It's about the hope of glory of the life that's yet to come. And we, as believers, have that responsibility to say Christ has been revealed to us. We are sitting here today. We understand and know. We hold this scripture. We have the truth. It's been revealed to us. And it's our responsibility to take that truth to those that don't know. That could be in East Pea Ridge, in Barbersville, in West Huntington. That could be in Utah. That could be in Africa, in Asia, or around the world where God has called us to do that. I love this verse right here. Let's look at verse 28. This is Paul talking about Jesus. He says, Him we preach. Warning. What does it say, church? What's the next two words? Warning who? Every man. And teaching who, church? In all wisdom that we may present who? Every man perfect in Christ Jesus. I love that. I love that. The Lord died for every man. Every person on this planet deserves the opportunity to hear the gospel. To hear that Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He died on the cross for you and for me. He was buried in a tomb. And three days later, he rose again. And today he sits at the right hand of God. Every person on earth deserves an opportunity to hear that they can have a relationship with that Jesus. The hope of glory, Jesus Christ. Every person deserves that. And I love that Paul says, listen, him we preach to every man. And then beyond that, once we preach to them, we teach every man. I love the picture of, let me see if I have a quarter in my pocket today. Any coin. I love the picture. Last week, Pastor talked about Matthew 28, what we commonly refer to as the Great Commission, right? The Great Commission is made up of two parts, preaching and teaching. That's what Paul is talking about here. When I pull a quarter out of my pocket, it's got heads and it's got tails. It's got to have both sides to be a complete quarter. When we talk about the Great Commission, it's got to be both preaching, sharing the gospel, evangelism, and it's got to be teaching, growing people up, discipling them. That is, the, that is the complete picture of the Great Commission. It is not just get on a plane, fly to Africa, share the gospel, get on a plane and fly home. That's not the complete picture. The complete picture is I've got to go and I've got to find a local church. I've got to find a preacher, a pastor that I can lock arms with and say, Pastor, I want to come in, and because I'm white, super white, pale, and a different face, when I come in and bring some soccer balls, I'm going to draw a crowd that maybe wouldn't normally come to hear you because it's different, it's unique, it's whatever, and I want to share the gospel. But pastor, i got to lock arms with you because you're the one that's going to be here, and I need you to teach them and train them and disciple them so that we can go out and make disciples of everyone here. And so it's not just about one side of the coin. It's not just evangelism. And a lot of churches today, the emphasis is just discipleship. We still are called to share the gospel. But I love that Paul says, we preach to every man and we teach every man. For what? What is the goal? That we may present every man perfect in Jesus Christ. That's the goal, church. That we could present a mature 
complete, perfect believer and say, now that believer can go and make other disciples. And the process continues. Let me take you back for just a moment in Paul's life. Let's turn to Acts 22 as we wrap up here today. We just read this account from Paul of how he's serving, how he's sacrificing, how he's following Jesus. But let's go back for just a moment to the beginning of that journey. And let's see what got Paul down the road on this journey. Acts 22, verse 6. I'll read a couple of verses here for you. Acts 22, verse 6. Now as it happened, as I journeyed and came near Damascus, this is Paul speaking, at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voices of him who spoke to me. Look at verse 10. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, arise, go to Damascus, and there you'll be told all the things which are appointed for you to do. Can you believe the boldness, the courage of Paul, that he would say that phrase to God? What shall I do? He just wrote a blank check. He just took a contract with nothing written in the contract and signed his name at the bottom. And he slid it back to the Lord and he said, fill it in however you want. Wow. I pray that I would have that boldness, that I would have that courage. I pray for each one of you that you would have that boldness, that courage, that here in this moment of time, in this missions conference, that you would say, Lord, what shall I do? You know, to some of you, the Lord is going to say, hey, it's about time you get on board with faith promise. Or maybe it's time to increase that faith promise. To some of you, the Lord might say, you know what? There's a neighbor down the street that could just use a friend, a positive force, and that could open the door to share the gospel. To some of you, the Lord might say, why don't you jump on a trip? And go see Gary and Allie down in the Dominican Republic and serve for a week or two. Or go with SCORE on a mission trip to Utah or to Uganda. You know what I'm praying? I'm praying that the Lord would say to some of you, Here am I, Lord. Send me. It's not beyond God to call somebody sitting in this service today to full-time ministry. Retired, middle of life, young person. I pray that each one of us would have the courage and the boldness to say, Lord, what should I do? And just put your yes on the table and allow God to direct the path.